0: back to the Countering Climate Scepticism podcast episode number three. My name is John Rainier, the history teacher, and I'm joined by my co-host Mark Prosser, the climate
1: researcher. How's it going, Mark? Hey, John, it's going really well. Um, since I last... So, yeah, so, so we, we've just, you know, started uh, hanging out after 20 odd years of not yep. seeing each other. And you told me that you were a metalhead. I and this is it, yes. this is a very interesting phenomenon, <laughs> uh, and you were telling me about mosh pits.
0: Yeah, yeah. Introducing you to the, the the rules of the mosh.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You sent me this video, and I watched this video like the introduction to mosh pits, <laughs> and uh, I, it was fascinating, and it looked really fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Have you been in many mosh pits? Oh, oh
0: count, countless mosh pits. I'm getting a bit too old for it these days. I can only handle about one a day. Uh, but, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> have you ever been in, so there was, there was this one for viewers like me who just have had no idea what a mosh pit was. There's a mosh pit where there's sort of the, the crowd opens up uh, in a sort of rectangular shape. And then yeah, yeah. in the middle of it, there's a few sort of brave or foolhardy individuals. Both, both. And then then all of a sudden, like in a sort of battlefield uh, scene out of Braveheart, uh, yeah, the two yeah. sides ram into these unfortunate individuals in the middle. And my goodness, they're brave. Have you ever yeah. been in that that central spot, John?
0: Yeah, it's, it's known as a wall of death. You know, I've never been right in the centre, but I've been in one of the charging lines. Um, right. I've seen a few people who've accidentally in the middle as well you know people that have gone oh great a straight line to the bar here and like, <laughs> coming back with their drinks oh, and they're no. just being oh. absolutely crushed not a single uh, i don't think they got a single mouthful of
1: their drinks <laughs> that is unfortunate uh yeah anyway fascinating thing uh listeners check out mosh pits
0: yeah highly recommend it um, so, oh, number one rule in the marsh pit, pick, e- pick each other up. Uh, so, any listeners joining us today, this is the second half of a two-parter where we've been rebutting the ziggurat level one argument that the climate has not changed, as argued by climate sceptics. Uh, again, once again, last time, Mark was a bit waffly, so we, we split the episode in two. Uh, and this time, uh, we, well, last last episode, we covered the flat-out denial arguments, uh, the people arguing that there's been no change, or that the opposite is happening, that actually the planet's cooling, not uh, warming up. So we looked at uh, the argument that it's not happening, uh, that sea levels aren't rising, and we we quite thoroughly debunked all of those this week. We are going to be covering the following categories of uh, the ziggurat level one denial arguments. The idea that we just don't know, we don't have the data or that the data that we do have is poor quality. We're going to be looking at the argument that, well, it was warming, but now it's stopped. We're going to be looking at the argument that says that, well, some places or some parts of the world, uh, it's cooler this year. Therefore, there isn't any global warming. And we're also going to be looking at the arguments that are misleading or factually incorrect. Uh, so we'll get on to, to all of that uh, in due time. But first, uh, have you had any encounters with climate climate denial this week, Mark?
1: Unfortunately, I have, John. I just oh, little. Little. it's you a sort of get away from them, can you? I I can't. No, I, I don't. Yeah, it's a sort of strange thing. I'm both drawn to it and and then after spending too much time engaging with it. I'm like, why am I here? Why, why have I done this? You know, um, but there was, there was someone on a Facebook group, um, sort of, you know, a place where they discuss climate change. And this, this guy was, um, was making the argument that, well, so he started it by sort of saying, well, on the presumption that climate change is happening and that it's human caused, Mm -hmm. um, Isn't it true that just like China and India are pumping out greenhouse gases far more than America is currently? And so uh, what's the point? I guess is kind of what what he's arguing or they are arguing. I think it was a guy. Um, And and so 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 I decided to write him a reply and I started the reply by saying, look, I'm presuming you're asking this question in bad faith. But just in case you're not, here is a good faith reply. And so I, I then I then I then
0: went. <laughs> That's quite an antagonistic way to start that sentence there, Mark. Yeah, I'm going to assume you're a bit of a dick, but just in case
1: you're not. <laughs> but it's like it's, you know, just given, I don't know, like pattern recognition. You see this 100 times and like 97 times out of 100. It's yeah, yeah. someone arguing in bad faith. I know from the outside I look like, a, I probably look like a dick, but, but it's just, otherwise you just get taken for a ride. I don't even right, know that yeah. this person's a real person. It could be some bots, yeah. you know, there's just, they're getting quite sophisticated and they can churn out, you know, the, you know, like chat like GPT, climate, yeah. climate nonsense. And so people like me just get their time wasted as a result. So, but anyway, I, I wrote him a reply. I gave him, you know, he was asking, so, I mean, it's sort of, you know, it's an argument that some people might have, you know, um, so it, it it deserves an answer, but I'm just not sure that yeah. that individual was seeking, you know, a proper answer. Um, yeah. And and loads of people are, are replied to him, but you could just see that, like, from the way he replied, that he was arguing in bad bit faith. Of, he doesn't bit, really, bit yeah. He doesn't really want to know the answer to his question. He just wants. He just thinks he's got a gotcha. Anyway, anyway. So I I wrote my reply and then didn't look back. Yeah. I don't know if he's replied. But
0: and what was your comeback to it?
1: I was my comeback to him? Um, right. So, so basically, China. Not sure about India, but China is actually quite concerned about climate change. It's going to be hit fairly hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a slightly, I guess, it's a slightly lower latitude as well, and it's, you know, lots, lots of the Chinese live near the coast and everything. So, um, the Chinese government are concerned about climate change, and they're they're basically trying to get away from coal as a as a fuel source and transition to lower carbon or renewable energy but because china's so massive it's a it's a long term project it's not going to wow. happen overnight but they they yeah. they 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 are doing something you know and and to be honest if you look at like places like canada or america and you say who's in china who's making the most effort, you know, it's not like there's a huge, it's not like America and Canada are making huge amounts of effort. Yeah. Compared relative to China, it's probably about level, you know, but it, I mean, it's true. It, it was true that developing countries are now producing most of the CO2. But, uh, I mean, there's also like, the you've also got to bear in mind that most of the CO2 in the atmosphere was put there by the US and Europe because yeah. it stays up there for so bloody yeah. long. You know, China wasn't developing 100 years ago. Britain was, so that means that arguably we should have more responsibility, even though they're putting more up now. But yeah. but they're right. You know, we yeah. do need to have like we need to get do need to get China and India on board, but in a greater sense. The way I put it to this guy was, um, you know, like like basically we're in a we've got this huge global problem. Every country needs to be doing its best to bring down its carbon emissions as fast as possible. And it's just like, what would you rather be? Would you like to be one of the countries that's like, we're just going to we're going to do our best? You know, irrespective of what anyone's doing, we're going to try and bring our carbon emissions down. If everyone does this, then it might not be that bad. But
0: be be the leading examples.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So this kind of like positive attitude towards the problem. We've got a problem. Let's do our bit to solve it. We can't solve the whole thing. We're going to need to rely on other countries doing their bits um but but this is sort of like you know world china you know pointing the thing which is it's basically just to sort of say you know like like therefore we shouldn't have to do anything yeah. about it
0: it's it's, just, it's yeah. very similar to uh, the kid in the classroom who gets told off for something and says but so and so over there's doing it too like you know it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that their behavior <laughs> is not correct
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it is funny, but it's exactly like that, and it, it it kind of gets you. It's like we're we're supposed to be adults, you know, like yeah. these adults that are making these arguments, and it's just childish. But anyway, so but I, I I tried to I didn't put it, you know, after that like rough start, as you pointed out, I think I I sort of I, you know I wasn't patronizing or whatever, but I, I made that argument, you know, that's why we should care. So yeah, but it's it's a kind of I guess it's like you know the ziggurat level one and level two. If you go on up to this. The sort of level six, then you you you're on a, well, you know, we're all doomed anyway, so let's just have fun, yeah. or uh we shouldn't wreck the economy uh to save the climate or save the environment. You know, so this is it's kind of on that upper level. So it's yeah. you know, it's a sort of slightly more uh it's higher up the ziggurat in terms of yeah. it's less to do with the physical science and it's more to do with, I guess, like, you know, what our policy should be when confronted with this massive problem that we have
0: yeah okay so well thanks thanks very much for that mark i guess we're we're going to get stuck into uh, this week's um, topic then um uh, so we're going to start off i guess with looking at some of these uh, arguments arguing that climate change is not real
1: right okay so now moving on to the category of we just don't know Uh, The data that we have is of poor quality. And for this one, the the, the specific example I'm going to give is. uh, So there's this phenomenon called the urban heat island effect. You ever heard of that, John? No, I don't think I have. So if you if you build your city and you build it out of um, concrete and whatnot and you.
0: ah okay, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, would you hazard a guess at what maybe the so it's
0: it's that the the temperature in in cities like is is higher than the surrounding rural areas because the the concrete reflects or traps the heat.
1: That's that's more or less exactly what it is. And one of the ways that uh, skeptics like to challenge this idea that the Earth has warmed is they say uh, there's a problem with the, all the weather stations dotted across the globe. Uh, there's a problem with some or a lot of them. So reading from the website uh, Skeptical Science here, they quote the the climate myth as follows. Temperature records are unreliable. We found uh, US weather stations located next to the exhaust fans of air conditioning units, surrounded by asphalt parking lots and roads on blistering hot rooftops, And near sidewalks and buildings that absorb and radiate heat. We found 68 stations located at wastewater treatment plants where the process of waste digestion causes temperatures to be higher than in surrounding areas. In fact, we found that 89% of the stations, nearly nine out of every 10, fail to meet the National Weather Service's own siting requirements, that stations must be at least 30 meters or more. Away from any artificial heating or radiating reflective heat source. Watts, 2009. Okay. No, yeah. Are you about saying anything? Or?
0: No, no. I'm just looking forward to you tearing this one apart.
1: <laughs> well, well. For a start, right? Okay. I would presume that most that, that 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 there is a fair amount of factual bollocks in here. But even so, so for example, nearly nine out of every ten uh, fail to meet the standards. I guess when, when we when we measure the temperature in cities, say, for example, we go to a weather station in the middle of London. We're, we're, we're kind of interested in the the actual temperature of London, because that will be so, so London will be warmer than the surrounding countryside because of the urban mm. heat island effect, because London is especially away from the parks, it's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of concrete it's going to therefore be warmer. So we're, we're sort of, we're interested in the temperatures of the inside of London in its own right, because a lot of people will have to live in that temperature. Mm. So, so when we're forecasting the temperature for London, uh, you know, we've got, it's got to be like the temperature that London is, if that makes sense. Yeah. But for the purposes of using that weather station as part of a global network of weather stations to work out how hot has the the northern hemisphere how hot has the northern hemisphere been um over the past month or year then basically they're going to they're going to alter or modify uh the the values from the uh weather stations inside the cities so that uh they take out this urban heat island effect
0: right
1: because otherwise if you didn't take it out then you're right. That would bias the uh, the temperatures higher. Yeah. So as as over time, as London has become more developed, presumably the urban heat island effect would get larger. So you, you, you might, if you had like one uh, site in the middle of London, then over time, as London expanded, you, what you might find is it might get warmer. Hmm. But this would not be because of something like global warming. It would just be to do with the 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 environment surrounding the weather station increasing
0: yeah
1: however we also have many weather stations and we have weather stations in the countryside surrounding london well you can either not use the weather station that's in london altogether and just rely on weather stations that aren't in um cities hmm. or you can use that rural uh site outside of london to calibrate and to modify the temperature in such a way that it takes out the urban heat, heat island effect hmm. so um so effectively we have a way of dealing with this and there's a there's a very interesting anecdote um whereby there was um, a physicist called richard muller okay and he was uh, he, he 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 did his uh it was a very sort of outspoken physicist i believe and he he had this um yeah, this course called "Physicists for Presidents" or something like that. Right. Um. So he was he was quite out there. He had his own podcast. Well, it wasn't a podcast as such, but it was like his his lectures were available for anyone on the internet to to download and listen to. Um. But he was he was a little bit skeptical about the temperature records himself. And so what he did was he was like, okay, I'm going to do my own analysis of the temperature records to ensure. But the urban heat island effect is taken out. Yeah. And uh, in order to do this, it, this is I find this a bit funny, but he actually got money off the fossil fuel companies wow. to fund his research to do this.
0: So it's a, it's a good good kind of sceptic. that is, yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, and he did his results. Uh, sorry, he analysed his data. And what he found was, was that The temperature record he came up with after he had been scrupulously careful about the urban heat island effect was basically the same as all the others. Right. So this was someone who was genuinely sceptical, turned round after doing his analysis and said, I was wrong to be sceptical because, you know, we we were absolutely careful. And it looks like our results are pretty damn similar to the other the other results have been done. So. So, yes. So coming back to the original point that uh, the uh, there's a problem with the data. Well, you know, it's a very easy to say for a denier, you know, who, who doesn't know much at all to say something like that. But our, our data are pretty good. And like, yeah. you know, people have done repetitive analyses of them. Uh, and like with the Mueller case, they found them to be to be decent and of high quality. Um, right. So we're. we're, we're We're rattling through these, Um, right? Okay, so the next one, so it's the sort of subtype that says, "Look, it was warming, we admit that, but the warming has since stopped." Let's go to slide twenty-three. Got it.
0: Okay, how skeptics view global warming?
1: Yes, that is that is the correct one. Okay, so. So so between the years uh 20, 1998 and 2015 uh, there was something that was kind of known as the global warming hiatus and the idea behind that was that for like quite a long period of time so what's that 17 years or so global temperatures didn't appear to rise mm. And there was a lot of I remember studying at university at that time, and I remember there was a lot of uh, sceptics were banging on about this all the time. It was definitely the the denial um, argument du jour at that point. Um, and and if you look, I mean, what, what do you think? What do you make of the temperatures between 1998 and the end on
0: this graph? I mean, I mean, it, it's it's so scattershot it's yeah. hard to to draw a line of best fit through it um mm-hmm. you know you see for example 2006 looks like it's the hottest year we've ever had yeah but then like what is it 2007 then looks like it it goes really low um yeah. so um but still an, an increase but but lower um, but it it does look compared to like 1970 um, until 1998, it does look like. Whereas that shows a steady increase, it does look like it's it's flatlined a little bit, but still high. It's not like it's dropped.
1: Yes. Yeah. So that, that's that's a, that's a good description. Um. So what's uh? So basically, the technique here is that. So, so essentially, when we're talking about uh global warming we're talking about a phenomenon that's happened over about the last 150 years so it's, it's a long long-term phenomenon so like we were talking about climate is it's a sort of at least a 30-year period um so it's not not just like one year or two years because one year or two year can be up or down uh climate is a longer time period that kind of smooths out uh these uh sort of random fluctuations perhaps because of El Nino or La Niña. Um but it's, but what the what the skeptics like to do sometimes, and they were doing it at this during this period of, of especially towards the end of it, towards like uh uh 2015, is that they they basically they took just that period of 17 years, so just that data and so they would expand it so it fills the whole graph, and so instead of having 1970 to 2012 on the x-axis, you would have had 1998 to uh, 2015 on the x-axis, and you would have had a, and you would have then drawn a, a line of best fit through it, and that line would have been pretty flat. Yeah. So I mean, there's nothing wrong with what they're doing insofar as you know there's no choice in how you draw the regression line the line that you the line of best fit there's only one mathematical way to do that so their their line of best fit isn't wrong but any idea John what they might have been doing wrong or
0: um is it the fact that they're taking it over just such a short period of time that, absolutely cause...
1: yeah um yes so if you if you take uh such data over such a short period of time and especially if you select it such uh, you can select data in such a way that your your trend line, the thing that tells you if you're increasing, staying the same, or decreasing, uh, you can you can basically manipulate it in such a way that it comes out as flat. Yeah. So if we move on to the next slide, slide twenty four. What have we got?
0: So this one is uh, taking that same data, but put a line of best fit through it right from the very start, and that shows a very steady very consistent continuous increase um right from 1973
1: to 2012. Correct um so you see that they're the bastards like like in the <laughs> you you they know so every so often we get uh an El Nino right an El Nino makes makes a particular year a bit hotter than it would have otherwise been and then you know a few years later You can have a La Nina and La Nina brings the temperature down. And so you get a a temperature which is higher and then another one which is lower. And then if you just select that data, so you start on a high and you end on a low, then you draw the best fit line. And the best fit line will suggest that nothing's nothing's changing. But Mm. yeah, so so essentially this is when people say the warming has stopped. That's kind of what they're doing, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
1: Right um okay so we're almost most of the way through now these these last few arguments can be dealt with quite quickly but okay so so there's a certain sort of type of argument that is um this year in america um it was colder than normal global warming what global warming but surely the fact that there was you know like a super amount of snow disproves the fact that so if we go to uh, slide 25
0: how hot is it in the baltics or western australia that one
1: correct yeah
0: okay so it looks like most of the map of the world is showing um increases in temperature some slight particularly i mean the oceans seem to be increasing at a slower rate than uh, than the land um mm-hmm. But you see some real pockets of of real heat, uh, like northern Russia. In fact, mostly it's around the poles. The the increases in heat tend to congregate, um, as well as also the decreases in heat, which is interesting. Um, But definitely large patches um, around by uh, Peru, uh, Mexico, California, uh, across most of Africa, uh, Iran, Um, the kind of steps and into um, Xinjiang is it in China Um, and and around the Mediterranean as well very significant increases Um, uh, the biggest increases definitely seem to be around uh, the the Antarctic uh, but also very significant drops in temperature uh, around uh, the center of the states uh, around Norway Uh, around the himalayas and around the west coast of uh, australia as well
1: Mm -hmm. and this is a this is a graph of the world showing which month is it july
0: 2023
1: correct yeah um yeah so so essentially it's the the map shows red is where uh this july is hotter than average for july so obviously, uh, like a July is always going to be hotter than December. But what we're yeah. doing is we're looking at global Julys. And then we're, we're showing that this particular July, which is July 2023, the July just gone. We're saying where has it been hotter than average and where has it been colder than average? And where it's colder than average, we, we label it blue. And wherever it's hotter than average, we, we we make it red. So um, how was how was it for someone in the baltics john in this 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 july
0: it looks like it was colder than average so norway sweden uh estonia finland all look blue on this map
1: so do you think on the basis of uh it being cooler than average uh for people in the baltic and baltics and scandinavia do you think you can therefore conclude that uh uh, the earth haven't experienced its hottest month um, or the last, I don't know, several thousand years?
0: No, definitely not. Uh,
1: why, why would you say that?
0: Uh, because everywhere else paints a very different picture. I mean, for, for us, July 2023 happened to be the, the last month of us travelling across the states. We were in uh, mm. Oregon and Washington state uh, in, in that period. And it it was just absolutely sweltering. You know, we're hitting above 30 degrees a lot of the time. Uh, We were looking at the news of places like Death Valley. We traveled through Death Valley on our way through from Nevada into California, and it was 42 degrees there. But I mean, it is the hottest, driest, (laughs) lowest place on earth. So you'd expect it to be hot. Uh, But it was having temperatures in in July that were nudging up into, into the mid 50s. Uh, potentially being close to beating the, the highest temperature ever recorded on Earth.
1: Right. Incredible. You, I mean, I just noticed on this map for July that there's this horrendous, like almost like black patch, which is sort of at the top of Mexico. Uh, yeah. Were you were you near there as well?
0: We we weren't in July. Uh, right. We had been we were there around May time. Uh, so that's I mean, we're talking about Arizona there. So I know that Phoenix in Arizona uh, was experiencing regularly 45 degree heat. Uh, the same with Las Vegas in Nevada. Um, and, you know, it was it was unprecedented high temperatures for them, uh, right. even though they're in the desert and they're used to high temperatures.
1: Yes. Um, for. You sound like you you were sort of slightly lucky, and then with your timing that you didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we we got lucky.
0: We I mean we we almost ended up in Vancouver. Um, we were only there a couple of weeks ago, uh, just about to cross over the border into Vancouver, um, and now it's beset by wildfires all over the place in the whole of British Columbia. Um, so yeah, we we managed to dodge pretty much all the bad weather, uh, apart from apart from Bakersfield, but Bakersfield's a bit of a shithole. sorry to anyone who's from Bakersfield but it is smoggy and and horrible it's 35 degrees
1: where is that is that the UK or the US uh,
0: that's that's uh, Bakersfield is uh, right in the middle of the 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 valley in California so Ah, when you come across from the Sierra Nevada mountains you have this uh, this kind of open valley before you hit the the coastal mountains um, and it, it creates this real kind of Hot area of of California, um, but because of the two mountains on either side, there's also huge thick smog that that gathers over there as well. So yeah, it was quite unpleasant.
1: Wow, right, damn. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pleased for you at least that you uh, you avoided some of the worst. I mean, I was hearing about like well, is it like cars melting and stuff like that. You know, mm. you wouldn't have wanted. Mm. Ugh, yes. Um,
0: but, but at any rate,
1: um, good on them in the Baltics for having a cooler than average uh, summer. But I don't think that detracts from the what was happening in the rest of the world, because you have to look at the average, not the yeah, not the specific place you are. Uh, right. Okay. So can we get through any more of these? Uh, the the final ones literally take one minute between the two of them. Uh, so maybe we can do the the rest of these. By the way, if you would, if you're interested, if you think I'm just being unfair, picking uh, one random July uh, because it's it's supposed to be the hottest month ever that the world has experienced. But I mean, like within the last X number of years, Um, you can also there's a there's on the PowerPoint. There's a another Twitter link. And what it will show you is it'll show you all the Julys for the whole world. um, Like the little animation which takes you right through from 1850. uh, And you can see the world gradually heating up. But every year, different places experience a little bit cooler, a little bit warmer, but overall the trend is kind of kind of clear. The last two classes of the cigarette level one, the earth is not warming, or it's getting cooler, uh, are the ones that are simply misleading, um, or they're just plain incorrect. So to start with misleading, I've got two examples for you, John. OK, um, the first one is, uh, and ap- apparently this is I don't know if Trump was the first one to voice this argument, uh, but he's he's associated with this argument. He must have made it in one of his speeches. But the argument goes, they've changed the name from global warming to climate change. And and I think basically what they're trying to insinuate is that, I mean, maybe it's also linked in with that previous class where the warming has stopped. Uh, it hasn't stopped, but since 1998, you know, if you draw a really short regression line, as we've just sort of been talking about, you know, you could make it look like it has stopped for a period. But if you look at the longer time series, you'll see that it's just a sort of a temporary flattening out. But it's since restarted. But yeah, so so I guess so it's maybe linked to that, and they're saying, well, you know, it's not warming anymore. The, the climate scientists need to sort of you know, still stay relevant. So they've completely changed the name and now call it climate change. So that's kind of, I guess, what they're getting at. No bins. Um The, the, um, yeah, so, so, so essentially, like the terms global warming and climate change have both been about for decades. It's just, you know, some people prefer to use the words global warming in a certain context. Others prefer climate change. Um, so, I mean, just, Do you have any ideas, John, just off the top of your head, like why you might want two different uh, terms for the same thing? Um, I'm putting you a bit on the spot here, I realise. Well.
0: I presume global warming is is very specific to one aspect of what can happen to the planet due to climate change is that a way of looking at it so for example climate change doesn't necessarily mean that everywhere in the world involves warming That there could be other other effects like rain and and things like that that could be a a feature of it
1: yeah yeah no so so i think you've definitely within your answer there you you've, you've you've nailed it so essentially global warming is specifically talking about warming okay which is kind of like i guess it's like the headline variable you know that people hmm. think of i mean when you think of climate change when someone says to me climate change i think warming that's yeah. the first thing however it's not just warming that's the thing so so there's also there's uh changes in the amount of precipitation so there's more rain falling in certain areas of the world there's less rainfall falling in others and that's caused by this you know warming but it's not warming itself. It's it sort of changes in like rainfall. Uh, what else? Uh, I mean, the ocean is becoming more acidic. Uh, that's uh, another change in the climate. So all these different variables, basically. So it's not uh, it's not just warming. There's precipitation. There's uh, the amount of where the wind is blowing is changing. So there's all <laughs> different variables, not just global warming. So but you've you got you, you mentioned precipitation and that's yeah so precipitation isn't really covered in global warming Yeah. okay yeah so so i so basically it's nonsense to say that it's a rebranding exercise these these terms are both continually being used but depending on the context um you know i mean sometimes we even talk about the climate crisis which is another way of talking about it that's like a third term you know and it's you know we use that because climate change sounds a bit like you know eh you know, yeah, it's changing, things change, you know, like, whereas crisis is like, you know, it's a bit urgent. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> so so there's no perfect term to describe it. So we have a number of terms. Uh, okay, so moving on to the second misleading argument. Uh, so there's Phil Jones says no global warming since 1995. Okay. Uh, and Phil Jones.
0: Yeah, yep. who's Phil Jones?
1: Yeah. So he's a a climate scientist. I think he's retired now, but he was a climate scientist at the University of East Anglia, which is where I did my undergraduate degree in climate science. I was taught by Phil Jones. He's a lovely guy. Um, So this this quote is just misleading because um, it's out of context. So basically, I think if it's not a misrepresentation, it's he's they're probably talking about this period where. If you look at a very short time scale, you can't see any obvious warming trend over, like, I don't know, 10 years. So that's probably what he's talking about. Bill Jones is not for a second suggesting that global warming has stopped. And, you know, so even while we had this period where the, the data looked like it was kind of flatlining, you know, people were making bets that you would get a massive swing back to. The you know the longer term trend because that's the nature of temperature it goes there's variability year to year and uh, you can get periods of flat but the overall warming trend again earlier in this episode if you look at this look at the sorry the the previous episode you look in the the data at a longer time series these shorter periods are you know just small blips basically in a longer trend because because climate climate change is is a fairly long-term thing. Look at a hundred years. Do not look at 10 years, basically. Yeah. Okay. So now the final category incorrect. And so I've got like five uh, different uh, arguments that I found on sceptical science. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes to these uh, to sceptical science and the list of arguments. There are 219. I found five uh, and just basically there it's not even worth going into them because they're just all incorrect. So they're okay. not even misleading. Because Phil Jones did sort of say that, the thing that I said last time, but these five statements. So these five statements are 1934 was the hottest year on record. No, it wasn't. Greenland is gaining ice. No, it isn't. Arctic sea ice has recovered. No, it hasn't. Arctic was warmer in 1940s than it is now. It wasn't. (laughs) Tuvalu sea level isn't rising. It is rising. So it's just like these are these are basically just like statements pulled out of someone's ass, you know. So, and, but,
0: yeah. So, where, what's the? I mean, is this something that's been misunderstood? Where where have these come from that that people are feeling that they can confidently present them as an argument?
1: Well, I think they're what do you call? I think they're very niche arguments. So they're not very. You won't find them everywhere, but okay. but there's these sort of like these things come up every so often. And, and I think it's just a case of like, so. Someone can say this and then so, so say, for example, you're at a, a conference about climate change and someone can climate denier can stand up in the audience and say, well, the Arctic was warmer in 1940 than it is today. And then the person on the stage might be like, oh, I don't have the I, evidence I, to count. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not that 100 percent sure that is untrue. And so they basically can't say anything. <laughs> I mean, about it it's, until they checked it's
0: know? it's it's moving into the realm of alternative facts really isn't it yeah, i mean yeah, 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 totally. like uh, i don't know if i've mentioned it but when we were traveling across the united states we were we were in texas um, and it just so happened we were just down the road from uh, waco when uh, trump waco? was going to be doing a, a a rally so waco is a quite a, a famous city uh, between uh, was it between between austin and dallas in texas and it's it's famous for um well for for a, a shootout with uh with a cult uh there and, and uh trump used it as as the place to kind of host his first rally for the 2024 election so uh in the middle of the night while my wife was asleep i uh used her email to sign us up for a couple of tickets um <laughs> and, uh yeah it was it was free go to go we, we didn't have to pay anything but uh, she wasn't best pleased about me dragging her along but i was like i've got to go and see this um and uh one of the things that that he ended up uh saying you know is this example of of just saying something that nobody can disprove there and then um he said the ukraine crisis if he was president he could solve it within 24 hours uh he said yeah yeah i would I'd get on the phone to putin um i'd sort this issue right out it wouldn't be happening mm, if yes. I, I was president you know this great thing that you cannot ever prove incorrect <laughs> It wouldn't have happened if I wasn't president. Yeah, well, because well, you you aren't president, but we can't prove that wrong. Uh, so yeah, yes. it seems like a lot of these facts are similar to that. Things that in mm. the moment can't be disproved.
1: Yes, yeah, it's it's frustrating, but in any case, in hindsight, like we on this podcast, you know, we can look at what the state of the the Arctic was in 1940, and it just you know we just so 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 yes, but just to be yes. aware that these these little facts that that come up from the deniers. You don't take them as necessarily true. Yeah. yeah. You know, with a with a large grain of salt, basically. Right. So so just I think I thought I'd better like make some conclusion because this has been well, it's been a two parter, essentially. Yeah. And it's been and, and it's I'm very impressed with your staying power here, John, because you've been <laughs> you you've heard I mean we were just essentially we were dealing with um you know essentially it's all about the ziggurat first level, which is it has not been uh warming or it's even been cooling. So but but then you get so many we we've, we've dealt with what something like 10 different I mean I can't remember how many arguments we've specifically done mm. in these two episodes but they they all link back to that in some way but they're all a slightly different twist on it. Yeah. Um so so there's a there's a lot of a lot of arguments that have been covered um but uh there's a, a particular type of phenomenon which is maybe worth, worth referencing here. So you have, um, a phenomenon called gish galloping. Okay. And, and so, so gish galloping, uh, I think it's sort of like associated with, um, evolution denial. And mm. so, so you get like, like, with climate science, you get sort of, uh, skeptics about evolution.
0: Intelligent uh, design and all of that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, there. But basically, the the, the the strategy is that when you have um, a so there's there's a, in particular there's this video on YouTube of and I can't remember the name of the climate scientist and I can't find the video now but it was this so there's this climate denier who is sort of Republican PR guy called Mark Morano and he's uh, having a debate with um, either a climate scientist called Andrew Watson or Tim Lenton, but okay the basically mark Murano will the his strategy was to come on and gish gallop and gish gallop is where you basically try to overwhelm your opponent with not just one argument but a whole series of arguments right. so so basically he says you know well your climate change is not happening because of a because of b because of c because of d because of e because of f c g h i j and basically they they come so thick and fast that basically no one can respond to all the bollocks Mm. that has just been like spewed or vomited all over you yeah um and and so um so basically it's this idea this is sort of a famous quote that a lie travels halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to put its shoelace on yeah yeah so 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 mark morano overwhelms the climate science i think the climate scientist at the end like just before it cuts out he's like what a dickhead <laughs> but unfortunately it looks maybe to like the uninformed that like mark morano cleared the floor in that debate Mm. you know and that's that's the idea i think as well
0: like in in the world of, of, of clickbait and and like little kind of memes and everything like that sound bites you know it's very easy um for 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 people in those kind of situations to just kind of manufacture something that can just create a very short very edited piece that looks like they've won the argument and you know I think sometimes when you see politicians talking when you just kind of think hang on a minute they have just said the same thing three times they sound like they're a machine talking and I think it's obviously a tactic of just make sure that nothing that comes from your mouth can be misquoted into something that might look like it's saying something very different to what you mean if you stick
1: to your one line of what you're trying to say you can't Mm -hmm. be misquoted yes yes yeah. politicians these days um yeah <laughs> but um but i guess with the misleading or the the incorrect you know like someone can spew supposed facts that are incorrect yes. and um you know what's required then is to go and like examine whether yeah. these fact check the fact checking takes time and mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to do that you know you know on a on a like a 10 minute segment where you're you know fighting a climate denier yeah. so it's it's a sad fact but um i guess these people have just got to be shown up for what they are yeah. you know they're not they're not arguing in good faith so enough of that uh, negativity <laughs> have you got this week's uh, positive news story for us john
0: uh right so this week's news story uh, is uh, actually one that uh, that you found for us Uh, this week Mark so this is about uh, it comes from from the BBC Uh, so it's uh, about a cargo ship that has just been tested and and uh, sailed that uses wind power now you know I appreciate that that might sound like (laughs) the least new news story of all time a ship powered by the wind um, but the idea being that this is not like, you know, a, a pirate ship from the 1700s. Uh, this has got like these giant rigid sails. It's a British design ship um, that that uses this new technology that means that it, it can basically sail around the world without needing uh, to have a significant carbon footprint. Um, so it's it basically some some statistics from the article here. It says that uh, the industry, the shipping industry, is responsible for about 2.1% of global carbon dioxide emissions. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's uh, maiden journey from China to Brazil Uh, will provide the first real world test of this new technology and see whether it's it's something effective for moving cargo forwards. Um, It's made the same material as wind turbines. And essentially, the vessel can be blown along by the wind rather than relying on its energy, which should reduce a uh, cargo ship's lifetime emissions by 30 percent. Um, and so the the, uh, the president of the company, Cargill Ocean Transportation, said that th- this isn't a silver bullet. And as we know, it's the reason why uh, tackling climate change is so difficult because there aren't any any magic bullets to fix it it's a journey towards decarbonizing an industry and Mm. if this technology can then be shared or developed into other technologies as well then that would be a great step uh, in that direction Um, so apparently it will take six weeks uh, to reach its destination okay Um, and uh, yeah so uh, by 2025 he reckons that half of the new build ships uh, will be ordered using this technology. Uh, it saves about one and a half tonnes of fuel per day, uh, which is which is quite considerable, really.
1: So is it like is it a bit like your hybrid Prius car where, you know, so they sort of like what was it like? They they sort of save the energy when you brake or something. They use it to charge the battery in the same way, sort of way is, it, is the is the the ship. Uh, using periods or places where there's a lot of wind and then it's sort of turning off its sort of diesel engines is that kind of the way it works
0: yeah, I'm I'm not really too sure. I mean, I seem to think from the article itself, it seems to be suggesting uh, that 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 it's the latter is how it works. So that when when there is wind, that it can use that to then essentially like not use the engine power. They still have to rely on on their fuel engines when there's no wind, but as soon as wind is available, then it, it can replace that as is as its
1: um, way of powering the engines. Okay, yeah, it's, it's it's remarkable. So we're almost like going back in time a little bit. So when yeah, they, yeah. they they only use the wind to get around, so that was fascinating. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and also like shipping. I think I believe, what's it like? As we decarbonize other areas of the economy, um, shipping and aviation, they're like kind of hard to decarbonize. Parts of the the global economy are going to become a bigger amount of the the pie, as it were. So there, there might be two percent for shipping at the moment, but it might be something like. 20% you know in by 2040 or something like this. Hmm. So so yeah like 30% off that is, is is not small change. So I'm I'm pleased to hear that something's being done especially with these hard to decarbonize sectors. Yeah yeah. And and that's the
0: thing as well because I think if anything shipping I think is probably going to become more important in the foreseeable future uh, for transportation uh, largely just because of of air air travel just being so hard to do uh in a in a kind of environmentally friendly way um if they can make big strides to it with shipping that should make a big difference so that's it for this week thank you for listening you can find a link to all of the materials we've referenced in this episode in our show notes what are we doing next week mark
1: well it will actually probably be in two weeks because we we're we're planning to release these two episodes at once but i guess the the logical move Uh, the next next step as it were is to deal with the second level of the ziggurat so with this episode we've been looking at uh, arguments against uh, the argument that it hasn't warmed but now on level two the level two deniers will be like yeah we 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 agree that the climate has warmed but we don't think it's humanity that's done it we think it's natural okay so So basically, it's probably, to be honest, it's probably going to be another two-parter because there are a lot of arguments um, in relation to this. You know, there's the sun, it's volcanoes, it's cosmic rays. They they come up with all these different. So basically, it is warming, but something else is causing it. It's just not us. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It wore me. I do do it, as they say around (laughs) here.
1: In Birmingham, is that? Yeah.
0: (laughs) And the Black Country. Okay, so uh, that's what we've got lined up for next week. If you want to know more about uh, countering climate scepticism, then check out our website at ccspod.podbean.com. So that's ccspod.podbean.com. If you've enjoyed the episode and would like to support the show further, you can leave us a review on iTunes. It's called Apple Podcast uh, these days, or you can support us on our Patreon, uh, which is Countering Climate Skepticism. Uh, if we spell skepticism with a K instead of a C, making it nice and easy for, for you to find us. So goodbye from me, John Rainier. Uh, and goodbye from me, Mark. And uh, we'll see you again next week. I'm going to leave you with this quote for today. The greatest threat to our planet is the belief that somebody else will save it. That's from Robert Swan. We will see you next week.